y'all can see the clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> that, that, right. that was that was a bit of a drive-by, Jordan. That was a gentle producing <laughs> tip. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dyler Coltman. I am joined this week by my brother Braden Dyler Coltman and the ever omnipresent Elliot Tanty. Last week, we really uh, blew a lot of smoke up his ass about how smart he was because he had correctly predicted the next coach firing. We won't ask him to do that yet, although I'm sure there are a few coaches in the hot seat that are eagerly waiting to see what's in crystal ball there for Elliot Tanty. But uh, welcome back, boys. Uh, We got an interesting show this week. We're going to do a little bit different. In fact, we're not even going to talk about the NHL directly. They may come up and in our third topic a little bit but we're, we're not going to spend too much time on hockey specifically instead we're going to go to a summer sport here in the early mo- weeks of march uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about the cfl and about the xfl and just uh about those things in general and it should be a fun show first off how you guys doing how, how you feeling this week sports 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 yeah feeling good feeling good ready to go this is becoming right. a sunday tradition that i'm really enjoying well let's get to it okay topic one this week so uh, news came this week that the Canadian Football League had begun conversations, initial uh, conversations with the newly re-animated uh, <laughs> XFL uh, in the, their third uh, in, uh, rendition, their third uh, iteration. That's the word I was looking for, the third iteration of the XFL. So uh, just to give some clarity here, the XFL originally, of course, started back in the early 2000s by the WWE and Vince McMahon. They played one season to um, very mediocre uh, sized crowds and very mediocre ratings and they folded after one year and were not heard of, uh, not seen from for over a decade and a half and then they were brought back to life after the success of a 30 for 30 documentary. I think that's 100% what excited Vince McMahon was that he got to make a documentary and he thought to himself, man, I should do this again and he kind of rode that like he does all hype uh, into a new version of the XFL which unfortunately found itself uh, coming head smacked straight into uh, a season that was cut off by COVID. So X, the XFL actually was doing pretty well, ironically, in its first early weeks last year, ratings wise, it was picking up a little bit of momentum because I think that in the new world of gambling and in the new world of sports and online social media that of course didn't exist back then, there was sort of a new appetite for something kind of different. Uh, but COVID shut them down and uh, four weeks into the pandemic, they filed for bankruptcy and the league ceased to exist yet again. Uh, later this summer in August, a ownership group led by The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, his business partner, Danny Garcia, and the uh, Redbirds capital principal, Jerry uh, Cardinal. Uh, they all stepped up and they bought the XFL from Vince McMahon. So that is the story of the XFL. The CFL, which of course has over a 110-year, very uh, pristine tradition here in Canada, three down football, wider field, 12 men on the field, very big and deep roots within many communities in this country struggled they couldn't get the, the game to be played during covid they are in a new sort of period of trying to figure out what's next and that's what what our topic is about today so uh with that long-winded and over complicated beginning let's start with this elliot what was your initial thoughts when you heard that the cfl and their commissioner had begun conversations with the xfl about the future um, surprised, but not surprised. I think would be my first interaction. I mean, clearly we know clearly, even before the pandemic, there was something fundamentally wrong with the CFL in, in this country. I was looking at some reporting this week on average, the, the teams together were losing between 10 and $20 million a year. That's just not sustainable. Right. Mm. Um, 
and and I think um, you know, you know there 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 needs to be some sort of influx of cash and idea and energy around the CFL, uh, and then COVID only just amplified those sorts of things. So interested and 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 glad to see that you know there's something moving forward in terms of the long-term sustainability of the league uh, and and of the CFL, but. You know, the CFL has fundamental a fundamental problem in that it is not engaging with a new younger group of fans. There is a gap between, and the 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 groups of people that are engaged with the CFL are getting older and older and older every year. I mean, I feel like like I'm 30, and I have I grew up with the CFL, but even I have lost touch with the game in the last ten five to six years. You know, because it just doesn't appeal to me. There's, I find it's overly focused in central Canada. I think they, TSN has sort of dominates sort of every aspect of it. You, you don't, you don't feel like it's Canada's league. You feel like it's TSN's league. Um, so I'm excited that a new ownership group and, and a merger of different owners coming together might sort of shake things up a little bit because what's been going on in the CFL with the relationship with Bell Media and TSN has become really stale and it's led to, frankly, people being less and less engaged with um, the product. The last thing I'll say on this, and I want to note, is that the problem I think with the CFL right now is that they're not, they're not dancing with the one who brung them. They are constantly focused on major ne- um, uh, areas like Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, where they the game just struggles there. They're, they're like the fifth or sixth most popular thing in Toronto. If they continue to invest in these spaces, where is the CFL the most popular? It's in the prairies. It's in the flyover provinces of this country. And that's where they need to be investing resources because that's where they're losing out. But that was the bread and butter for them for a long time. And I don't well, know that yeah, merger with an XFL is necessarily going to support that thesis, but I'm just, that's right. my, been my feeling well, for a long time. Certainly the, the XFL has definitely been a brand that's a big market brand. Their teams were in Houston. The extreme Seattle, football and, league. Exactly. They, 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 so that for one, I'm sure has got uh, a lot of older uh, fans of the CFL concerned just in, in general. And that unfortunately is the predominant paying public for the CFL. They have struggled, as you said, to get a younger demographic, but that has definitely been their focus. Um, Braden, as a younger person, uh, mm. do you feel like the CFL is of interest to a younger generation? And do you think that the idea that the XFL could infuse some of that energy and perhaps bring a bit more, I don't know, let's say North American appeal to it out of just the Canadian market? My biggest question is what what is the partnership really with the XFL? Is it a merger or is this a, a partnership of resources? You know, like Elliot was saying, the the media are the uh, the monopoly that TSN and and Bel Air and all of, but that that's where the that's where their resources are. So, it, like, there's no other there's no other main I think funding, no other main sponsors to keep that keep that going yeah. and well in terms of it's like in terms of its excitement though i i, I didn't I, I didn't miss it this year i didn't miss the fact we didn't have the cfl i you know i'm not a huge nfl watcher but i'll definitely climb aboard when it's time to you know when there's football going on i'm going to watch that and the the i mean what the nfl has i think is a lot more focused on culture i mean there's definitely issues there when it comes to the way that the structures are in the nfl but the excitement of the football game i think is a lot more uh, a lot more appealing to a generation of uh, young folk like me well i think and i think uh you both hit two really key pieces one elliot being the the, the tsn and the, and this need the cfl's 
seeming need to focus on the Toronto market is connected. I mean, TSN selling a lot of advertising that they want to hit that big demo and hit the Vancouver market, and hit the Montreal market. But as you said, there just aren't fan bases for it. You know, the the just the demographics of who lives there, and also the bountiful amount of additional competition the cfl just hasn't been able to compete there and then the second piece Braden, i think especially like you had mentioned with the younger people i mean i think that that the pandemic did the opposite to the cfl that it did to a lot of sports which was in a lot of cases people missed the sports they felt like they there was something missing there they wanted nhl hockey back they wanted nfl football back they wanted the nba back that just wasn't the case the cfl I, i mean outside of i'm sure several households in saskatchewan where it is a very important part of you know your day-to-day sports culture most of the big parts of big cities in this country didn't even notice it was gone most of those fans who are casual cfl fans they probably didn't even notice it was gone and i'm I'm, i don't want to disparage the people who for whom the cfl means a lot to them because i know that there are some of them there just aren't enough of them for the league to succeed in the way it's structured and that's the big piece right like any business if you don't if you're if you don't have a large enough uh, audience for the product you are providing, you need to reconsider the product you are providing. Well, but you know, what's, what's the value add there that the CFL's created in the last five or six years, the, yeah. the, the league, even longer, the last decade, the league is stagnant. It's not interesting. They, they've, they've tried to do, you know, different variations and rule changes and, you know, the introduction of more aggressive uh, video review, But really, fundamentally, it's sort of the same sort of old boys club, even the panel that, you know, that speaks most often, you know, like it's the same people saying the same thing about generally the same teams, by the way. And like, it's very difficult as a fan to get engaged in a league when your team is not even spoken of during the halftime intermission or, or gets a third of the time as the central Canadian teams do. And I think Edmonton's always overlooked and, and similarly with Calgary and anytime you're playing, you know, the Western leagues. And, and so if you're not building or you're not doing anything exciting, then that's going to fall away. And, and, and there are those diehards and they've been there for a long time, but they haven't cultivated any diehards in the last 10 years. Very few. I really think. So I know we're going to like, close to overtime here Jordan but what is the actual like are there specifics of what this collaboration is like I don't I don't see how this no, you know especially yet. with a league that has um folded twice close to overtime close to overtime <laughs> we're like four I just don't see it helping overtime. I don't see it what helping if- the CFL Whatever this is. All right, let's let's just quickly put a pin in this. Let's pick this up again in topic two. We'll pivot it in a slightly different direction. Um, But that's topic one for today. Topic two this week is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan. Are you feeling hungry? Busy Bee Vegan is a plant-based meal prep service offering pre-made, delicious, and healthy plant-based meals to the greater Toronto area. Whether you're curious about plant-based vegan eating, looking to improve your overall health and wellness, or simply too busy to cook, Busy Bee is for you. Their plans are focused on eating clean without sacrificing taste and contributing to a healthy planet. They have made it super simple. Choose and order your meals from the multiple plans they offer, and they will deliver your meals in environmentally friendly compostable containers right to your door. You can find them on Instagram at Busy Bee Vegan Meals or on Facebook at Busy Bee Vegan. Go check out a small local business in Toronto and save the hassle of COVID grocery shopping and cooking. Let the Busy Bees feed you buzz-worthy meals. Okay, so topic two, we're going to pick up kind of where we were um, because this is a bigger conversation and we, we'd sort of acknowledged that it might be. I want to I just pivot us in a slightly different direction. So we've talked a lot about how 
the CFL is broken. It doesn't seem to be um, it doesn't seem to be building an audience with younger people, and it, it, it that's a dangerous place to be when your older demographic is doing what everyone does, which is get older. Um, and I think the hard thing the CFL is facing is that one of the things the CFL hung its hat on for a very long time was the idea that it was a league with this rich history and rich tradition. tradition. But we are entering a new age of tradition being questioned and looking at the traditions we all hold in our culture, whether it's sports or whether it's education or whether it's uh, the history we tell ourselves about the country we live in and all of those things, we're beginning to enter a more, um, a more hyper aware space where we are not, ju not, not just questioning, but, but reevaluating and also and also maybe for the very first time listening to voices for whom we hadn't listened as a society i mean um about things and so that's one of the big pieces here to this story because one of the biggest stories coming out of the cfl certainly in our sort of world um was the name change in edmonton uh and that i think was a it may now be able to be looked back as a bellwether of the beginning of the next uh, phase of the CFL, you know, what is the future of the CFL? What is the next? What is the, what is next? So let's start there. Um, we talked a little bit about what isn't working. When we look forward to what this merger or partnership or whatever it may be, whether it's simply that, whether it's simply the two leagues want to at least be in conversation to grow the sport of football, uh, if I were speaking from the you know sports PR perspective, uh, whatever that relationship is, what is next? What does the CFL need to do to solve some of the problems we had in the first one? And are they doing? Are, are we already starting to see the beginnings of that? For example, the name change. Do we feel like the way the name change has been carried out is has been successful, or is it just another sign that uh, they're just they're just you know always struggling to move forward? Uh, maybe we'll start with Braden. What was your? What are your impressions on sort of what's next for the CFL, especially in Edmonton? Honestly, whatever they decide to do, um, I probably won't give too much uh, attention to. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> so they've lost Late, you. As lately, a fan, I they've lost care. you. You're right. They've lost me. I mean, I'm fair. I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair. I mean, I was excited with the idea that they, you know, they finally got around to the idea of changing their name with with all of the uh, the arduous process that that took and is still taking. Yeah, you know, still kicking and screaming and being dragged there. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, what's next? Uh, one of the issues I have, I guess, are these community led ownership groups, because they're, they're like we said in the last topic, they're, they seem to be stuck in a way of doing things. Um, any any idea of changing, you know, three down to four down, uh, I just don't see that flying. I don't think that that um, the way that the CFL is set up right now, that they're open to that kind of change and they're willing to go uh, and do the necessary. They'll, what they'll probably do is they'll they'll do a poll somewhere and say all of these people felt and thought this, and then they'll say, oh, and you know, we're going to use that uh, input into the the changes and the things we're going to do, and five years are going to go by and nothing's going to happen. So, Elliot, what what uh, like is change uh, in the, like is drastic change necessary, or can the CFL somehow scrape together survival on what it's been doing? 
Well, I think that what they have been doing is, is, is scraping together what they can to get to this point. No, I think that you're going to need something drastic. And, and it makes me think like, I don't know that Randy Ambrose is the, is the commissioner that ha- that is going to make the sweeping changes necessary, despite this engagement with the XFL. I mean, I, I think that it's interesting that they're engaged with the XFL. We haven't talked about how any of us feel about there actually being success in a, in a potential merger. I mean, you've got major issues around just the game itself, four, ga- four downs versus three sides of fields, those sorts of things. But also, like, the, the XFL is designed to be played when the NFL is not being played. And that would mean a fundamental change to the CFL schedule in order for that to be the place as well, too. So mm-hmm. I'm just like... You know, this is not as bold as maybe it seems because I just don't know that there's nothing. I, I maybe they're looking at more of a resource sharing thing, and I and I just I just want to note that what I would do if I was commissioner tomorrow, the first thing I would do is to look long and hard at my relationship with TSN and think about if there wasn't a way to spark some more competition for my TV money uh, in the next contract. And the players would get paid more too, right? Well, you'd you'd see players being played more. You could do you could invent some sort of system where you've got the thir- you got a Thursday nighter that's on CBC, a Friday nighter that's on um, uh, Sportsnet, and then two Sunday night games on uh, on TSN. I know Jordan's shaking his head like he wouldn't do it. And, They're not going to touch it. Sports, there's no sports there's no value in it for them right now. There's no value in it. Sportsnet's I mean, so that's the, the irony is TSN has poured as much effort and as much money into it as they have because they lost the NHL deal. That's as simple as that. This is the only thing well, that, that TSN has. But they bought the hockey night in Canada song. But I think what's to. happened, I think what's happened, Jordan, a lot of the impact and why the, C, the CFL is struggling is because there's a lack of competition for resources and for sure. the CFL. I think that the TSN, the TSN has become, too, it made the league too insulated. It's too reliant on on that media company. And I would be looking for ways to diversify my revenue as soon as possible, because that what's working, what's happening right now is simply not working. Well, and I that's, think that like would be my start. That's well, and, and you're right because you know, the irony being, I would also like just as a plays devil's advocate for a second, I think TSN has tried to push the CFL occasionally into new places. We've, we, we, we all remember the fiasco mm-hmm. with miking coaches Mic'd and miking players and trying to be more modern in their broadcast and the CFL and the players, of the CFL being as is common with football personnel, very conservative and very concerned about uh, how it would affect the outcome. Now, the truth is the XFL has always in both versions of itself been the opposite of that. And, And honestly, any league in the United States that has even attempted to compete with the NFL has done so by being the renegade outsider rebel league that is doing something different. You know, the XFL XFL brought the wire, you know, wired camera, the, the, the sky cam to football. And two years after the XFL introduced it, it was standard in NFL games. They've been the innovator. And I think that is something that the CFL could be looking to in that partnership to say, if you can bring money, which is like Elliot said, the missing competitive part about this. There is a lack of resources. If the XFL can bring money by by whether it's a merger or it's we're, we're like a two tiered league system, something, whatever that whatever that relationship is, if they can bring a little bit of reinvigorated energy and money into whatever the CFL product is, that is the only way they build forward because the CFL is broken in that sense. I remember talking with you guys, I don't know, two years ago when we first had the conversation about the name. And just talking about why the CFL was broken. I mean, here we, you know, Elliot brought up Vancouver. I can tell you right now, the the 
it, it, this goes all the way down to how teams are run. So when you go to buy tickets to a BC Lions game, the only tickets that are affordable to, let's say, an, a casual or like once a season kind of fan, right? A new fan, a father and his children or a mother and, and her kids and somebody who's not going to go buy season tickets but might go see one game and enjoy the game enough or have their kids enjoy the game enough to build an audience build a fan base the only tickets they can afford are in the end zone right yeah the, the, and that is not yeah, a way to watch game. football if you've never watched yeah. football they don't well, open up the second bowl because they don't want the stadium to look empty why are you selling the end zone sell between the 20 yard line and the 20 yard line in the lower bowl and the upper bowl and make it Shut like up. a high school stadium where you just have fans on the side but at least then they're watching the game in a way that they're able to understand it and enjoy it and that goes to the broadcast side of it too this game needs to be reintroduced to a new group of fans lose some of the stodgy old-fashioned stuff guess what the fans who are of that generation that care they will put up with a little bit of the other stuff if you can mix it and put it all together if the if the if the product gets better they won't care yeah. but if the yeah. product gets worse and worse and worse and you can't grow an audience you're dead you're dead yeah. And that seems to be what the XFL's focus has been is the entertainment side, right? It seems to be more entertainment than football. And that, that, I mean, seemingly has brought a fan base. And so, yeah, like you're saying, like, if that is what, if that is what the merge is or, or some sort of collaboration there to, to be able to bring more, more fans, more resource, you know, if, if they had, if they had games playing in a lot of those uh, uh, States markets, be able to watch it but i just don't see the 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 way in which the rules are right now the game isn't fun to watch for me and focus resources where people like the game winnipeg edmonton saskatchewan those are where though that's where you need to focus these resources not the big markets where you're just not going to compete they don't have the they don't have the profiture to be able to compete with any, with any of these other ones all right we'll leave it there that's topic two topic three this week is brought to us by The Hunger Moon, an evening of short plays. The Ordinary Productions, in association with Presentation House Theatre's Creative Hub Co-op, presents The Hunger Moon. The Hunger Moon is an evening of four unique one-act plays from writers across North America. Over the course of 90 minutes, virtual audiences will confront characters working to regain control of their narratives, exploring the joy and importance of storytelling, and how these stories connect us. Featuring a cast of six intergenerational actors safely following COVID protocols. There are two opportunities to see this production, March 20th and 21st. And the four plays featured are The Barely Wives Club by Sarah Segal Lazar, Hashtag Jones by Olivia Matthews, Too Close to the Sun by Cullen Burnett, and Old Wives' Tale by John Burser. Tickets are available on the Presentation House Theater's website. That's pHTtheater.org. All right, back to the show. Okay, so topic three this week, we wanted to just take a brief moment um, to reflect on the year that has been. We're just a few days past what is sort of considered the turning point uh, in in sort of the story of COVID, and especially when it relates to sports. Now, obviously, it goes without saying that the, the biggest story about COVID is the loss of life, and there is a huge loss of life that must be acknowledged. Um all over the world, North America, Canada, especially the uh, United States, especially, but Canada as well. And, and all of those lives that were lost and the families that that affected, that is the first and most important thing to acknowledge about COVID-19. The second part is how many people have put their lives on the line to take care of people. And then somewhere down that list, quite a ways down that list, 
you know, or how other things that we called normal have been affected. And I think everyone has spent some time um, over the last 12 months reevaluating and considering what the new normal might be or how their new, how their normal has been affected. And obviously one of the biggest things that was affected was the way we are entertained and sports is one of those things. This is a sports podcast. That's what we're going to focus on. So March 11th is sort of considered to be that, that, I don't know that the anniversary moment date, um, of course, March 10th being Braden's birthday. Happy birthday, hey! Braden. Uh, we won't, we won't dwell too long on that, but we'll but do March a full 11th, segment on that next week. That's right. <laughs> March 11th last year is known as the Rudy Gobert game. Uh, hey. the, the beginning of the end, uh, the, the night that the NBA sort of came to a stop, the NHL stopped the next day. And from that point on, uh, the sports world shifted and changed. And we didn't see a lot of professional sports for several months. And then when they came back, they were all different. So we wanted to spend some time just reviewing that, um, looking back at what this year has been and, and sort of the successes and failures from our perspective of how, you know, probably mostly we'll focus on the big leagues, um, but just sort of how the league has played out. So when you think back, Braden, to last year, about this time, obviously the Oilers were in a playoff push and the Raptors were they were playing well, you know, the teams you cheered for were all getting ready for for the playoffs. Um, and then it all sort of stopped. Uh, what do you remember? How do you think that uh, last spring sort of affected the way you think about sports? You know what team suffered the most? My no. fantasy team. <laughs> I was in first place going into the, the quarterfinals or whatever week later, and uh, it all came crashing down. Out goes my money. How goes my hope of winning fantasy league? I don't know. I remember that night though, uh, March 11th, we were out at a show for my, uh, uh, for my birthday. We were celebrating and at intermission, uh, uh, mom leaves over the table. She goes, uh, the NBA canceled. <laughs> now this is somebody who, you know, wouldn't necessarily talk sports to me. And she goes, the NBA's canceled. Like, what are you talking about? This must be some, some Beaverton or, or uh, joke article. And I, I'm reading it and, Sure enough, uh, though, I mean, after that game, after that night that the NBA decided to do that, it seems like every everything uh, started to shut down. And uh, it was a it was a hard, dark few months of uh, without without hockey, without baseball, without basketball. Well, I think baseball's tried to do uh, tried to pick it up again. Um It was hard. I got to say it was really hard. I'm a huge sports fan and I, I you know, I, I get up every day and my day is kind of dependent on what games are going on. I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of watching games and that was, that was really difficult to, to kind of <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but it was really difficult to not have sports all the time. Yeah. So in the early days there, Elliot, how did, how did, what, did, what were your thoughts or perspective on how it all sort of played out in the, in the early stages of COVID? You know, I I had a pretty good idea something major was going to happen pretty quick. I'll never forget. I think it was either March 10th or March 11th, whatever day. Um, the last Oilers game, they lost 4-2 to Winnipeg. And I remember I was watching the game, but I had something else going on. And I made a point of sitting down and watching the game because I said out loud to my fiance, um, I don't know if I'm – this is going to be the last time I get to watch hockey in a while, uh, I think. And it seemed really sort of alarmist at the time. And I think even Ale was kind of like, oh, really, dude? Like, <laughs> and then uh, sure enough, you know, five months goes by. And uh, I, I think, you know, it, it bring, it's interesting you're, you're very invested in sports. It's a big part of your life. And 
it was interesting listening to talk radio and sports radio every uh, in the in the the weeks and months to follow the shutdown where like they these guys were like doing anything to just keep people engaged and like doing mm-hmm. fantasy like cartoon drafts and things like that and mm-hmm. uh here in edmonton uh the, the 1260 guys and, and and i think you know like there it really it really hit home for me just how many people are invested in some sort of professional sports in some mm-hmm. way or another uh and you know hockey's my choice but like it was everything and everyone and there was we were all sort of feeling the same thing and in the same boat just regardless of of what your sport was you know yeah so then we get sports back in different forms as we as Braden talked about baseball tried uh, to just sort of plow ahead a little bit haphazardly and obviously that had mixed results as some teams played half the number of games as other teams but then we obviously had the two leagues that sort of were the at the forefront of figuring out what the next could be both the NBA and the NHL who are often in lockstep on a lot of sort of the bigger conversations probably because they share arenas and they have some partnerships built through that but they both did a bubble and I think both I think all three of us, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like all three of us felt like their bubbles were pretty successful. You didn't have large numbers, if any cases, once the bubbles were secured. And that was a great, great thing. And then obviously they moved into the next season. So now that we're almost at the, we're just past the halfway point of both of those two seasons, the NBA and the, and the NHL, um, obviously the NFL sort of plowed ahead too. Maybe we will, we should touch on the NFL too, but, but how do you think we, will they get through, will both of these teams look back at the end of, this whole year and feel like they did the right thing. Um, do you think the NHL maybe specifically? Yeah, I think that they were able to, to proceed in the best and most cautious way possible. Uh, like you said, I think baseball was very haphazard. And even once, you know, some of the teams had outbreaks, they didn't seem to care or change anything. And I mean, the thing that I'm still a bit nervous and curious about is, is fans returning. Uh, it's great to hear, here and see that people are getting vaccinated and stuff like that but it's still a ways away from i think uh, returning to a, a sense of nor- normalcy and the one well, thing that back in stadiums in the south yeah the, uh, that's true the, the one thing that i have uh you know i'm starting to wear and, and get a little tired of is um it's seeing the same teams over and over like i i mean i, I love beating ottawa seven times but after a while you're like okay uh yeah where you know i'd love to see Arizona, Colorado, or, or, or see what some of those other teams uh, match up uh, during the season. And yeah. ha- almost all those teams that we don't see in the division, we, we won't see <laughs> at all. So it's fascinating. It's definitely fascinating this year with, with the changes. I always feel it's very interesting. The one thing I'll just, you know, end on here is just every commissioner of all of the major leagues has said the same thing, and they've been committed to awarding their championship. And that's sort of their main and end goal. Uh, and I think that that's an interesting thing to think about, the value of awarding your championship and doing that once a year. There seems to be, that's like a guiding principle. And it's consistent, even the Women's Hockey League, they, they said the same thing. Like that was one of the things that, that drove them to that bubble process and 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 the new version of it now too. From them, although it way straight through the NFL, everyone has been pretty consistent about that, which I think is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cultural piece. Well, and I think it's also exposed that there are, a few different key pieces that go through the process for every one of these sports. So obviously the first and foremost 
priority for all of them is making money. That has been exposed as a huge piece. And sometimes that's sort of like the dirty secret that just the leagues kind of got away with never talking about. But I mean, it's pretty obvious why the NBA had an all-star game. And it's pretty yeah. obvious why, you know, the, N- the NFL just sort of said, screw it. We'll, we'll let a garbage man play quarterback for the Broncos. We must have this game played. And, and they just sort of plowed ahead. Um, but then the second piece I think that has changed or maybe has been exposed in a and maybe maybe this is a good thing moving forward is it does feel like there has been a slightly new appreciation or respect for um the 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 role that players own health and well-being has taken um especially in the nba that's a league where there has been a much mm. bigger conversation about like mental health and player fatigue and all of those things yeah. that was never dealt with overtly and i think there's value in that so hopefully um you know, as we move back into some form of normalcy, as Braden says, probably we're looking at a fall where we're going to see more traditional NHL and NBA schedules and the NFL is going to look pretty much like it did before, whether every stadium is full or not. Um, hopefully there are some positives and some growth that can come out of this whole year for each of these teams. That's how I would uh, evaluate it. So with that, uh, I will say thank you. To both of you for joining me for yet another great uh, and interesting conversation. And uh, this is Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. One person says this. One person says is, and the other person says hat trick. Okay, ready? Yeah. This is is <laughs> hat hat trick. Trick. All right. I have to go now.